Welcome back, everyone. Um, it's a happy new year. Melly and I, uh, Chris, are here today for another podcast. Um, now, we're back. It's a new year. How was your new year? How was your holiday period? I know I had a very relaxing one. <laughs> Two weeks off. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, well, what I did was I actually did nothing, actually yeah. nothing for the first week. And then I started looking for things to do in the second week. Yeah, so I floated in my pool. I watched the entire seasons of this crazy 2000, early 2000s show called Psych. <laughs> they eight seasons of it, 22 episodes per season. They really <laughs> and, milked that one out, didn't they? And, and if you recall, um, I got into this crazy Canadian show called um, Corner Gas. Yes, which was somehow the biggest sitcom to ever come out of Canada, <laughs> right, despite right. having next enough, offering it next to nothing. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> they had a movie. So movie. So I watched the movie as well. Was the movie still with like the same kind of four settings? Yeah, the whole thing was the same. So all they did is basically in the movie, it was just a giant television show. So it's like one 20 minute show, but it was an hour and quarter long. How, how was that? It was fine. I mean, it was, I, anybody who wants to look up, Corner Gas is, went for like five or six seasons. The show is quite a simple setup. Um, there's only a few characters in it, and basically the same story gets churned over, over and over and over and over mm. again. But I watched six seasons of this, and then I watched the movie. So, you know, I, I, was, I was in it to win it. Yeah, well, I mean, once you begin, you might as well continue. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to close that off. Yes, yeah, so I watched Psych, and um, we watched uh, all the Avenger movies again. Yep. As in, like, even the... chronological the, ones. Even, like, the individual character yes, ones? Yes, yes, we did all those <laughs> Thirty sort of movie. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of TV watching for that first week. Absolutely. How do you find it though, doing the, because the, obviously when you first watch, it's not really in chronological order. It's really actually. It? I found it. The first movie is always the easiest. So mm -hmm. you know, we started with Captain America because that's way back yep. when in the forties. Yeah, and then you've got you know all the other ones that sort of flow through, and then um, you've got to watch Spider Man before he meets. Uh, for all those people out there, we're talking about the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah. uh, you may not know, but both Melanie and I are very big nerds, I think. Massive nerds. Um, I, I also, which most lawyers actually are, to be honest. Uh, it's probably true. It's probably true. I also... Um, yeah, so anyway, so I got... Um, so I had to watch the Spider-Man movies before he met um, uh, Iron Man. Mm. And, you know, so that whole thing. So we, you know, we were pulling out of the out of this sort of Avengers stream and you know going into all these sort of minor character or you know, major characters if you're mm. a fan of Spider-Man sort of you know backstories ah I liked it it was it was, it was something to do and you know it filled up a whole week of my well do you know, do you know Avengers Marvel kind of universe was my COVID lockdown right well you know as a lot of people had a lot of spare time I'd never watched a Marvel movie going into it. This, we're talking about way back. Yeah, in, like, like in, in March, March or whatever. Or whatever. Wow. Um, and I got to watch it for the for the first time watching them all in the like a chronological order. I couldn't believe how well it was like, how well it worked. Sorry for everyone, we had to take a, sh a short break there. Yep. Teething issues. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so in COVID, that was like my, my time. So I watched the whole thing having never watched a single Marvel movie from the absolute beginning to the end. Right. And it 
really felt like one big movie. Right. Like, like a 30 hour movie, like a really, yeah. really long. So, so did you, was it the Avengers you were watching or did you start with Captain America? Started with Captain, like the first, I think it's the first two Captain Americas and so yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it actually didn't feel like one big movie. It actually felt like a series. Right. Like, like a, but each episode is like two and a half yep, hours yep. long. Did you also watch the um, Gardens of the Galaxy and all those ones? Watch okay, everything, okay. everything. Um, like my, my roommate, he loves them, like he yep. absolutely loves them. So he printed out yes. the correct order yes, yes. and then kind of kept tabs on me to see how it was going. Like <laughs> that's how much he kind of cares about it. Like he was like, so also, so what do you think about this movie? What do you think about this? And, <laughs> Because you've been watching them for the first time. First time. So, but I actually loved them. I, I must say I was missing out for a lot of years there. But I suppose similar to you, my holiday was uh, doing nothing. Yeah. Which yeah. I think we can all agree, sometimes that's as good as a holiday. Oh, like, my goodness. Yeah. Look, Christmas for a lot of people, mm. as we know out there, they've got loads of family and there's lots of stuff going on and it's one of the busiest times of the year. For me, it's just my it's my husband, Paul, and I, and uh, we basically spend the whole time together. We normally actually go away, but for obvious reasons, we didn't go away this um, this Christmas. And, yeah, we, we just sort of hung out and watched TV. Yeah, that's what yeah. I did. I, uh, I watched six of the Star Wars is kind of in a row within sort of two days. We did and the same thing. Yeah. There's a lot of time on your hands if you've got a lot of, if, if, you, if you're willing to dig in and watch a lot of time, you could get a lot done. But it's not really that long in the scheme of things, like when you think about it, like you've got a lot of time in a day. Yeah, that's but, right, it's also And we really love it. But interesting thing is, for the very first time again, I watched the original three movies, like in their original state. like. It's very difficult in today's age to actually get your hands on the very original ones because they've been redone, I think, I think twice, mm. potentially even three times. So we're talking about the original theatrical release. Uh, so uh, 1979, 1981, and 1984, mm. 1993. Anybody out there, you can... If, the we've, got the dates, if we've got the dates wrong, <laughs> we'll hear about it. But, and I realised just how dated they are like how i mean it's nearly 50 years old but the fact that they didn't detract from the the storyline like it didn't lose anything no no i think that kind of says something about how good they are oh look the storylines are great things in the first movie that come to mind for me is um han solo going to the millennium falcon after you know, having um, that experience with the bounty hunter and he's kind of running away. And in and, and all the movies that we've seen, Jabba the Hutt's sitting there, yeah. wandering around, getting up to Jabba the Hutt mischief, but he's not in the he's original. not in the original whatsoever. He's <laughs> just not time. there. And, uh, yeah, I, and, and of course there's these fight scenes in space and, you know, there are, there are planes flying through each other because... There was there was no real digital imaging back no. then, and, and so no, yeah. And like when when Obi Wan does Ben Kenobi in that movie, um, and he kind of just disappears. Yes. Like kind of his cloak just kind of yeah. I mean that that you wouldn't see that in today's movie. But look, we digress though. That was our um, our sort of New Year's, which, as you know, though had some of it was. Um, a bit of a lockdown. There was a small lockdown. We we got we here in we're in Queensland and here in Queensland on the last day of our uh, break, we were all heading back on the eleventh and uh, 10-9-8 on the eleventh, tenth, ninth. Yeah, on the eighth, mm. we were all told that uh, we 
were restricted in, in our movements. Uh, for me, wasn't a big deal. Did you have big plans that weekend? No, it's actually a good. In, I, I don't know whether this was by design or whether it was just pure luck, but it's actually I thought a really good weekend to do it. It was pretty cloudy that day. Most it people, was. Most people were kind of coming off their holiday. It's true. Um, and I never. I did a lot of my like admin admin yeah, type thing. Yeah, it meant that yeah. I was kind of ready for work. There was a bit of running around for me on that Friday to make <laughs> sure. sure before I got locked down that everybody in the team had all the things they needed to get on with their jobs and so on and so forth. And we had a new employee starting on that Monday, which made things a bit complicated. But actually, I don't think it ruined my holiday at all. I don't think it ruined a bit. One thing I want to know, I suppose, and this is might be interesting to a lot of employers out there, is as a business owner, how did you feel when you kind of got the news that the restrictions happened? Right. Well, you know, going into lockdown. Yeah, well... It was very sudden as well. Yeah, look, the first said. things I think about is, um, you know, I automatically go into a mode where it's like, okay, so what, what needs to get done? Mm. Do we open on Monday? Do we not open on Monday? Um, being a law practice, you can imagine that not opening on a Monday is probably not great, so... How do we how do we work? And uh, you went with us with with mm. the first rounds. Mm. Um, this firm actually operated at a hundred percent, or actually one hundred and thirty percent over over that period. And we we're a paperless practice anyway, so we don't. Well, nobody had to pick up big heavy files and <laughs> you know and pile up and uh, their apartments around. and become libraries. Yeah, yeah. And um, those of you who watch our YouTube channels, you've seen where our desks are. So um, yeah, we don't have a lot of sort of files floating mm. around us. So it was it was an easy transition. I just what I needed to do was just make sure again that everybody had the computers they needed, that they had the connections to the screens, that they had the keyboards and that they were ready to sign on on Monday morning. Mm. Um, but I can imagine for a lot of other companies, not professional services, they're like, oh, do we open? Do we not open? What do we do tomorrow? Because it was essential services but only work if you have to. And I remember, I remember when one of the things that was said when it was sort of in March was all work is essential, like, and that becomes very confusing. Yeah, I, I think more so, I just, I look at the big picture. Mm. I try not to get down into that to total detail, because if you do, you start asking lots of thousands of questions, mm. and anybody who's, who's on my YouTube channel will see that no one question is a simple answer. So I try to stay the high level, what actually just needs to get done. Can I stay open? Fine, let's do that. Um, oh, we need to wear masks. I'm just going to carry mine everywhere. Do you know? It's yeah. I, I just I just simplify it for myself and mm. hopefully simplify it for my team. But I can understand it's easy for me. I'm in an office. We're in a big space. Uh, I don't have to work outdoors. I don't have to work in a shop. I did come across a chap um, while I was out and about who wasn't wearing a mask, and I asked him where his mask was, and he said, "Oh, I don't know," which I found a little bit weird because you know we've been wearing masks and been in this environment for a while yeah. and I said oh, I have one in my car do you do you want, do you want one mm. and he was like sure so I just gave him one so I think um I think people are just getting used to the situation and we're walking around now and people people are wearing masks uh, do you find yourself if you look back at the way you sort of handled the latest lockdown as opposed to the first mm. lockdown and mm. generally speaking the restrictions that kind of came and went yeah do you find that you are more flexible, like you're a bit hardened about it? Um, well, like a bit we're better organised. Better at it? So the first time it happened, uh, I sat down with Nera and we said, okay, so how are we going to do this? Mm. 
and we formed a plan and we executed it. And then while we were doing it, while we were actually, it was actually happening, we would notice that this part of the plan wasn't as good as that part. So we would, and so what we did is we tweaked it until we had it down pat. And you experienced mm. this this Monday seem seamless, right? Yeah. It's because we we actually we actually had a strategy in mm. place. Uh, and when it happened, I called Nera and she was like, okay, we'll have a plan, let's, let's execute it. Mm. So that's all we did. But the first time round, we kind of went, what do we need to do? What has to happen? And it just kind of, it flowed, it took a couple of days, but it just kind of flowed. And mm. then once everyone was settled into that, those of you who don't know, we actually, um, I, I was worried that my team were too isolated from each other. <laughs> so I was trying to think up things to do that we could do as a team together. So we started origami. And uh, we've got, uh, if I just may, I'll just go oh, and grab your intro. By all means. You can, <laughs> you'll all see just how large amount and how, I suppose, disorganized my pile is. So those of you who can see that, this is, this is the origami that Chris has been doing since he's been here. And it, you know, it just, there's just piles of there's it. There's absolutely piles of it. So we did it over, we did it over COVID. Everyone mm. loved it. Mm. Uh, took an hour out of our day once a week. And what we did is we took turns of each of us teaching how to do origami. And then we all came back and everybody just wanted to continue with it. So, you know, we've got things like flowers and there's a fox here. And I did Christmas trees for, for uh, you know, for Christmas. There's a box here, you know. This, that's a Yoda. Uh, that's a Yoda. That's a Yoda head. <laughs> Very relevant. There's a Yoda body somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, you can see what my pile uh, looks uh, like. Uh, <laughs> you, you won't be able to see it, but I can tell you that um, Melanie has very much decorated her sort of space, much nicer than mine. They're very lovingly hanging from the roof in a very kind of contemporary looking way. Um, but <laughs> Chris's is in a pile on his desk. I think somebody's got them all in their drawer. Yeah, so, so yeah. we all have our ways. But um, look, I think we should move on to. I think you've got a couple of interesting cases that you want to. Specifically from the UK. These are both from the UK, and this is more about solicitors. So we, we talk about in, in this mm. in this podcast we talk about other people, yeah, um, other organisations doing something, and there's an unfair dismissal application or something's happening. But this is actually about solicitors, and there are two of them. And what, what's, what's interesting for me is not what they've done or what's happened to them, but the comments afterwards. Yeah? <laughs> what have they said? Well, look, the first one is about a solicitor who'd been around for a fair amount of time, so not a junior solicitor. And let's just say things got the better of him. We have a lot of tight time frames in law. Mm. This is, and in particular, we, um, we prop, in property, there's something called time is of the essence, and it just means time mm. is absolute. If you miss a time frame, something, there, there, it triggers something, yeah? And uh, it's probably the easiest way to explain yeah. it. Um, and this is where a solicitor didn't fill the paperwork up and didn't fill the paperwork in time and file it, so he changed the dates by, and you, by using TIPEX. Didn't tell anyone and seek to file the documents. Yeah, it's quite fraudulent, I would think. I mean, it says the tribunal heard how the solicitor who was working on two property transactions and had a 21 day to register and fix um, both with a fixed and floating charge. Um, unfortunately, he missed the deadlines 
and the accompanying paperwork had, be, had been filled out in, because the company paperwork had been filled out incorrectly and by the time it was returned back to him, the 21 day time limit had elapsed. He submitted further copies um, according to this week's ruling and did not bear the original date but it said instead had been redated to make it appear that they were being delivered within the time limit. Yeah. It's pretty naughty. It's... He was actually struck off. That's it. No can, longer able to be a lawyer. I can see why, though, because if, if we're going to take that lawyer's, you know, we're going to take their word for it, and you've got one who's, well, straight up lied. Um, yeah. Then I'm not sure we can, as well, a, as a, as a well, it's breaching our highest duty to the no, court, right? Misleading yeah. the court. And then how can we kind of? You can't trust. You can't trust him anymore. It's, yeah, the, the comments were things like, oh, that was really harsh. Oh, you know, missing a date's not that bad. But I just wonder if it's these... Not, he's, not getting the, he's not getting it, <laughs> is he? Like... Well, what we say in law is, yes, we make mistakes. Lawyers are certainly not perfect. We try to be as perfect as possible. That doesn't happen. Um, not all the time. But when you admit to a mistake, you have to admit fast and you have to admit Fully, completely. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, it's a massive problem. But let's just keep moving forward. Don't just turn back time and hope that you're going to... No, no. You don't no. have to hide it. You just have to admit to it and suck it up. I think for, for a lot of people out there, there's a sort of common misconception out there that essentially lawyers lie for a living. Now, we certainly make arguments on behalf of our clients, but it's actually the exact opposite. Mm. Like, we cannot lie. And it's kind of in all instances um, because the court very much takes our word for it a lot of the time. You know, if we say something to the judge, a lot of the time they'll kind of believe you. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll sort of, okay. Yeah, they'll, they'll, act, they'll just go, fine. You, you've told me. I, I, this is what it is. I'll I, accept I, that. I, I'm going to, you know, accept that you're telling me the truth. The difficulty is, though, if that can only work if everyone tells That's the right. truth. That's you right. know, if, if we have people in the industry who are not always telling the truth, the judge is going to sit there or the commissioner say, well, What's this to say that I've never met this lawyer before? And what's to say that he uh, lies all the time and he's lying to me right now? Well, that's right. It, it, it's going to slow down the wheels of justice. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty bad. Look, uh, whether, whether that would happen here, I don't know. It's, look, these things are very factual. But the reason why I brought that one up is because there's another one about mm. a couple of months later. Yeah. 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 Also one, in the UK. This, this, also a UK matter. Um, this one's a junior solicitor, and what they did is, uh, um, so this, per, this this solicitor was nearing the end of her training uh, in a conveyancing firm again, and she was handling a sale, and they needed to send some correspondence out, and she accidentally um, emailed um, to a to a different firm that had nothing to do with this matter. Um, because the two email addresses were Smart, confusingly yeah. similar. Now, in the industry, we call this inadvertent disclosure. Look, the mistake came to light about nine days later, and uh, because she was sent chasing the email, um, because that firm had come back to them and said, yeah. oh, look, I've received something, blah, 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 blah. Look, the client had been copied into both of those email correspondence, and they were, about, they were concerned about the mix-up and whether it would cause a delay in the sale. Yeah. Now, the solicitor then tried to cover her tracks. This is a really interesting yeah. one. She made a copy of the original email, except with the correct 
firm's email address into it, in the, in the to field in, this, in that section. And what? Then so sent a screenshot to the client claiming she had showed it and then quickly realised her mistake and fixed it nine days before she did. Oh, so she said, you know, I've sent it to the wrong one, but I actually fixed it. I fixed it almost and sent immediately it to the correct one. See, this is how I did it. And, and she and changed you, the. You must have, your, your version of the email must have got lost. Taken a long time. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and and this, the regulator said, you know, look, this dishonesty can be fatal to a, a solicitor's career. And, uh, and she had to argue there were exceptional circumstances so she wouldn't be struck off. Now, the regulator said that it was more akin to a dog ate my homework rather than a calculated plot to conceal dishonesty of a protracted and ongoing nature. The client hadn't been ne negatively affected and she would learn from her mistake. Oh, I don't know. It Pretty feels, interesting, right? It feels like one of those situations where, and I often speak to you about it, is when you get like a like a tick that sort of tells you, oh, something's not right. And I can just imagine her kind of doing this <laughs> at the computer and kind of looking around. And when, if you find yourself doing that, you probably know you're not doing the right thing. Job. You know what I mean? If you're, you wouldn't be comfortable with everyone in the firm seeing what you're doing. But, the, but we have two, two rather similar cases here mm. and she gets six months whereas he gets struck off. Do you think it's just because she's young? Look I do, I do. When we go, when we do law school we go through ethics and mm. I don't know if you recall yeah, I but a lot of the cases that uh, come up are either really senior solicitors or actually super junior ones. Yeah. There's not a lot of middle ground there. And I don't know why, and I think they tend to be a bit more um, serious. Mm. The, the, the penalties tend to be a bit more serious when they are a more senior than a junior. There's a lot of power and you know, influences going on. There's, there's a lot of um, detriment when you make a mistake in a, in a law firm. And she probably didn't really think of the long-term consequences of doing that. As in the possibility that she may never be a lawyer again. Well, and the possibility that no one's going to trust her again and all this sort of stuff, you know. I think all she was trying to do was focus on fixing the problem. And again, just like we just said, mm. admit, admit fast. Okay, at worst, she gets fired. Here, she gets struck off for six months and we're talking about her. Mm. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> did, they, did they name them? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I've got names here, but this one, this this lady got struck off on the seventh of January this year, and this other chap got struck off. Um, sorry, she got struck off for six months, suspended for six months, um, on the seventh of January, and this chap was on the twenty seventh of October last year. I reckon that her chances are getting a job. Well, that's the, the thing. Her name's right here. And yeah, and so is his. But these things are all public. Lawyers make mistakes publicly. Do you think? Do you think she can get away with it? As in. Someone might notice. Yeah, do employers look into it? Are you asking me if I do? From when you speak to other people? Yeah, absolutely. As well? um, when I'm employing somebody, I cyberstalk them, go on their Facebook. What so does that sort of involve? Jump onto Facebook, have a look at their Facebook page, go back in time and see what I can see on that one, go onto their LinkedIn page, mm. um, Google their name, see what pops up in photos on Google and, sh and stuff like that. 
I would also um, ask around. I've got a fairly good reputation here in the market and most solicitors will talk to me fairly openly about what's going on next. And um, yeah, we look on the do not, do not employ register. There's a do not employ register here in Queensland. Really? Yep. What, what, what there is that? people's <laughs> names on it on the QLS website, the Queensland Law Society website. Uh, Go and have a look. My name is not there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I yeah. mine is not. <laughs> <laughs> I have not looked. Yours wasn't, yours wasn't last time we looked. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we, we do a pile of things. And I do a quick word search on QCAT to find out whether someone's been disciplined. True. Yeah, I do the whole thing. It's pretty, pretty good sort of due diligence. It probably goes for most sort of employers, I would think. Well, look, most employees don't have the sort of information I can get access to, which is brilliant for me, for lawyers. Uh, you know, you go back to references and things like that. But mm. I think everybody should be cyber-stalking. Yeah. If you're working in a company where you are a conservative company, the last thing you need is one of your employers, employees to be half-naked, having <laughs> keg you know, competitions on their Facebook pages because your clients will be yeah. looking at that. Or, God forbid, that they're on a news article for doing that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know, so... you know. If you are looking for a job and you've got this sort of thing on your Facebook page, then you know you're, you're putting yourself out there, and employers can, you know, obviously not for discriminatory reasons, mm. but employers can make a choice as to use as to employ um, person A or person B, and that could be based on their personality. And we all know fit is an important thing when it comes to employing. So yeah, I, I think it's I think cyber stalking is completely normal these days. And I think in today's sort of day and age, you have to expect that you're being cyberstalked. And not just from employers, it's it's from clients, clients from new girlfriends, from suppliers, to absolutely everyone. Yeah, to people who, you know, you might want to buy a car off someone. I, 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 I do the, the, the speech circuits from time to time, it's been on hold for a little bit, but um, and one of the things I do when I'm watching someone talk is while they're talking, they're saying, ah, oh, blah, 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 I'm like, okay, I'll jump on your website and see if that's true while they're standing there. Mm. I, I see anything wrong with that. If, if you claim something oh. or you say something about your business and I jump on your website and I don't see it or I've seen a bad review on mm. that, I'm going to form an opinion of my own. And, and I think it's, it's something for everyone to sort of remember, I think, is the, your online presence now, I think, is just as important as your sort of reputation amongst the industry, whatever industry you might be in. Um, is for me, if someone is not on the internet or they have a poor sort of internet presence, they're almost invisible to me. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, and you know, if you don't have a nice looking website with you know, really easy to follow. Well, you question the professionalism of the place. Mm. We have these preconceived ideas of what's acceptable. Um, we have a really nice office. Some people work in virtual offices and people have opinions about that. Mm. Uh, you know, I've got some, I, I refer to some solicitors who work out of virtual offices and I think they're brilliant. But, you know, others have personal opinions about that. It's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting space. It's a really interesting space. But I actually want to move on to a case that I've found. Um, it's yes. a little bit old, so sort of August last year. <laughs> so what it was was a pastor um, at a church in Melbourne. Uh, so they were dismissed for failing to repent their sins. So their employer said, you need to repent your sins. Um, in order to remain as a pastor. Now, I'm not entirely sure what that, that actually entails, um, but okay. the question sort of arose 
about whether he's an employee or not. Right, like, so the like, question of whether the repenting was a lawful termination yeah. hasn't been answered. Yeah, and I... Right, so we're not going I to talk suspect, about that I suspect people. that it's, it's not. Well, it's, obviously there's a factual issue yeah, here, there's but, a lot going on, but we're, we're not talking about whether the termination was fair or just or unreasonable. We're mm. talking about whether he was an employee. Just whether he's an employee or not. Okay, like, so a lot of people, I mean, I for one, you don't look at a, at a pastor or a priest... No, uh, as an employee. As an employee. Because it's the... It's a calling. Well, you right? don't even think right. as the church as a, as a really as, as an a, employer. No, I guess you don't. But they not really that, are. Not in that sense. Um, okay, so this chap. So what they've said, the church submitted, and this is a quote, that the applicant as a good shepherd to their flock, a pastor was not to be motivated by financial gain, but by pure motives. So the facts here, though, are he was paid a consistent salary, he was granted annual and personal leave. Um, he had a contract. Um, he worked a certain hour, sort of standard hours every yeah, it's week. It's a bit of a duck issue here. Walks like a duck. It's quacking. Quack, quack. Yeah. Like so a you, duck. You can sort of see here, the commission found that he's very much an employee. Right. Um, because... Although he has a secondary kind of goal that he... The, sort of the reason he wanted to be a calling, pastor was because he... Yeah, his faith in, in, in the higher power and so on. He was doing it for financial gain in the same way everyone is. Because do you think that's why he was doing it? To get paid? Or do you think the pay was incidental? I guess the, this is not the question, I guess. But it's interesting because uh, it, it, would, it would lend itself to why people go to work every day. Mm. And we talked about this, didn't we? About whether it's... You know the money, or once and mm. whether once you're in the job, obviously the money was okay because you accepted the position to begin with. But then other things become more important, mm. um, like flexibility, like I don't know. But I think did you see that there was it was part of a review that salary is actually really kind of kind of low in the list. Yeah, like, it's so, really like, low. I would have expected maybe one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, it's like it's five actually, or six or yeah, seven or eight. Yeah, yeah, it's low. I mean, not for everyone. Obviously, mm. there are certain professions where salary is is far far higher, and one that comes to mind is sales. Obviously, mm. they're in sales, doing that sales, not because perhaps they are. And you know, please, I know there are people out there who love their products, not because of the product, but because of the money they can make from that mm. product. Completely fine. But you and I, the average person out there, is staying in that job because of things other than just the financial gain. Uh, but. I can see why the church might think that a pastor is in it for something else only. Mm. And I can see how the pastor might feel that, yes, there is something there, and this is the reason why and I have a flock, and uh, you know, I have a faith in a higher power, and I want to spread the word and, and help people and, and nurture people. Mm. But they also have to eat, sleep, and have fun. And you yeah. can't do that without money. Yeah. So... And essentially, if you didn't pay them and you asked them to do these things or they were doing it, there might be a Monday slavery issue. Oh, I, would, I would suspect so, especially in a situation where, strangely, the church is still getting a financial detriment uh, advantage from his work. This is true. The more people are like him, the more people turn up to church, the, the more, more they're donating. Right. And and <laughs> it, it is really bizarre, and it feels really kind of callous. Yeah, look, to people, think of it like that. But, we, we, yeah, but faith and really high power are legitimate. People, people have faith and high power. We're just talking about this particular case and the and the motivations behind mm. it. And it's, I suppose it's also a good sort of lesson or insight as to how lawyers and commission yes, how we consider these cases. How we, 
how we look into an organization like a church mm. or like the sort of relationship between a church and a pastor. And you have to look past what seems like the normal situation mm. and it really dig it down to what it really is in its very baseline. So the commissioner wasn't convinced, he wasn't convinced by the uh, church's argument that there was this, what was the words? Uh, pure motives, is that what you're talking pure about? Pure motives and, right, so he was an employee. He's an absolutely an employee. But yeah, as you said, I think it also touches on what people's actual motivations are to work and whatnot. It does. Cause, pay as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, thinking about it when it comes to play, being a coach for kiddies, you know, softball or, sport or whatever. whatever. Yeah, I mean, all these other things. Mm. Um, yeah, okay. I, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, it's... People go to a job... They pick a job for a certain reason. They do. It doesn't mean that they stay in it purely for that reason. Yes. And yeah. as you said, they have to eat and sleep and they have to yeah, have I think, money. I think um, from my perspective, I think people choose a to apply for a position for a number of reasons. A, it could be that this is number 687 of 1,000 applications <laughs> I'm making this year. Be aware of that applicant. <laughs> or it could be that they're looking for a, a, a specific thing to be doing and this one has come up and that's what they want to look at. Mm. Um, and mostly if that is the reason, then people are willing to take pay cuts because I hear this a fair amount. Mm. I hear people call me and they say to me, you know, something bad's happening at work and I took a pay cut to do this job. You know, so mm. although at the time it was on their minds, they were willing to do it, but only if things turned out well. Mm. I've, and I've always seen, and I think you were quite surprised with this, I've always seen money when it comes to for jobs is as a threshold mm. kind of requirement. Mm. It's not something that... Once you're happy with what you're earning, you're there. You are happy with it. Mm. I mean, I agree. Maybe it changes, but slowly, very slowly. Yeah, like we were. Maybe you, maybe you think about it years. Oh, yeah, in the, but it's kind of a threshold with, issue. Yeah, I was talking about this with someone about um, CPI increases mm. and are you getting a pay cut each year because you're not getting the pay rise? And this this came up in, in one of the work in some of the work that I'm doing, but it also came up. From a, a personal perspective, and as an as a as a business owner mm. and someone who employs people, should we be doing CPI increases? Because I know people who haven't had a pay rise for five years, six it's years. It's actually very common. I, I think it's the norm. And almost. when I think about it, and you by all means mm. write in and give me your opinions here. But if you're not earning, if you're not earning breadline, mm. then CPI is not going to make that much of a difference in terms of you know where that breadline is. Because CPI is about breadline, right? It's about what a, a minimum sort of inflation and mm. so on and so forth. But if you're earning up here somewhere, that breadline, yeah, might be shifting towards you and you might have to make some adjustments to your discretionary spending, but you're not making any adjustments to your necessary spending. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. I just... I, I just wonder whether it's a little bit overblown in terms of this consideration and I need to get a pay rise every year to feel like I'm staying on top Especially of when inflation is as low as it is. Oh my goodness. Incredibly yeah. low. So Yeah. Um but yeah, I've always said I think pay is a sort of threshold thing. You've you've decided that that is what you're comfortable with being paid. And I think too many people get caught into seeing pay as their way of calculating their worth to an organization. Yeah. And I think that and it may be very well that the organization's 
issue. Also, it could be cultural. Yeah, well, it's sort of they should be they should be putting them into people's mind that they're worth in other ways. Yes. And in reality, it probably is this: is it's not really judged by your pay. Mm. It's what you essentially what your boss thinks about you. Well, I think you're probably right. We have a rule here at MJT Law, MJT Law that no one calls themselves just a. I'm I'm mm. just a secretary. I am just a paralegal. I am just a junior junior lawyer. Because in my view, every team member I have here is important, plays an important role. Mm. And without them, we the 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 cogs and the turns are not going to be as simple. Well, I need a high performing team, and to do that, we all need to be working together. Which means everybody has importance. So I have a thing. Oh, we have a rule that we don't call each other. We don't say on the phone. We don't tell people. I'm just mm. up because I want my team to feel like they're not just a anything. Just, yeah. They yeah. they are just as important as everybody else on this team. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, if anyone's got any views on how many times you say a day, I'm just the secretary here, uh, and how that what mm. that means to you, and I'd be really interested. And if and if you're finding yourself doing it, I think give it a try. It's just stop saying it, yeah, and see how you feel about it. Mm. Um, and mm. and I think you'll probably find that sort of feel a little bit better about yourself. Oh, look, I, I think you'll feel better about the way you, you approach your job as well. Mm. Who are you in that position? Are you doing the best job you can in that position? And if you are, you are certainly not just at anybody. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, you should alter the perception, give yourself more worth, and uh, see how that makes you feel. Yeah, I think, I think it would probably help a lot of people. But <laughs> right. I think that's everything I've certainly got for, yep, for I Yeah, I think we're... Um, We've had, it's it's uh, certainly been an interesting sort of start to the year. Has been, has been. Um, but I think it's going to be a better, oh, better 21. I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful. I think, I think there's, there, there is hope in the air. Everyone wanted to get rid of 2020 and, <laughs> and somehow... Deleted had, in the... This is 20A. <laughs> this is 2020A. You know, have some sort of fresh start and as soon as the new year turned up, there was all going to be fresh, fresh, fresh. Just gonna, um, look, I think what that translates into is that people are more hopeful and yeah. uh, I'm hopeful for this year. I'm hopeful that we're, we're going to have a, um, a much more comfortable, even happier um, easier time of it and uh, yeah alright well uh, see you everyone till next time see you later